Hello, and welcome to Eastgate Community Church. We are so glad you've joined us to listen to this message from our weekend encounter. We pray you are encouraged by what you are about to hear. I just want to honor you in that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I'm going to have Sarah come up here and join me because... What I feel like we're supposed to talk about, a lot of it is related to, well, y'all feel so far away <laughs> back there. Okay, Sarah said it, so if you feel inclined, you can move up, but I'm not going to... And if you don't, you should. Okay. You just want to share this one? Yeah, all you guys back there. Yeah, she's going to just be frustrated with you the whole time. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah. No pressure, though. If you don't want to, you don't have to. <laughs> but you should. Yeah, and you might not see me because I'm relatively short, and uh, I'm going to be sitting down. So, yeah, and Sarah's super short. All right. So, on uh, on Friday, I was just spending some time with the Lord, and I was just praying, and you know, it just kind of occurred to me that I had no clue what He wanted me to share for today, and I'd known for a little while that, you know, they'd asked me to speak when they knew that the some of the guys are going to be gone in Pittsburgh. And I realized Friday morning, I was like, well, Lord, you still haven't shared anything with me. And I was just, I don't know, just interesting. I just kind of reflected on where I've come with the Lord in the past few years. And you know, for those of you who don't know, me and Sarah both, pretty much our entire adult lives, as soon as we went into college, were in official ministry in one capacity or another. Uh, when I went to Texas A&M, I was in the Corps of Cadets and on a track to go into the military, and they made me the chaplain of my unit. So from that point on, at like 18 or 19, um, just kind of thrown into ministry functions and the ministry functions of my church. And a lot of it, um, I wasn't necessarily prepared for. I mean, God uses all of that stuff, but it was kind of one of those things like, oh, you're a college student who's not drinking every weekend. Like, you're in charge of everyone's spiritual health. You know, and to do that kind of thing, and so you just get into the motion of like doing ministry, and like um, you know, like it says in Song of Solomon in chapter one, like my brothers made me tend their gardens, but my own garden was neglected. Like the garden of my heart was often neglected, and just the process of doing a decade of ministry and working for churches, and, and you know, it's no one's fault. Um, it's just my ignorance, really, of what it looks like to you know keep your lamp full of oil and to, you know, to let God heal you and to let God father you. So Friday morning as I was just spending time with the Lord and realized that he hadn't shown me what to talk about yet, I just realized I didn't feel any striving. Like I didn't feel that sense of like, oh, like I've got to hurry up and figure something out. And if he doesn't speak to me, I just got to make something up, you know, pick a favorite Bible verse or steal someone else's revelation and go with it. And uh, you know, you'd be surprised how much you end up doing that kind of thing when you're in a typical church that's you know very structured, and it's like, well, you lead a Bible study every Wednesday, so if you don't have something from the Lord, there's still got to be a Bible study, you know. And you just kind of get into that routine of making something happen, sometimes without the Lord really being involved or being involved kind of minimally. And uh, kind of the beauty of Eastgate, really for me and for Sarah. It's just the atmosphere of freedom that we felt coming into it of like there was no pressure or expectation like other than like hear from the Lord. And it's not like you better hear from the Lord. It was just like, no, like hear from the Lord. And if you don't, then you don't, you know, like you don't make something up. You know, we'll just pray or, you know, whatever, keep worshiping or something. So 
I was like, man, that's nice, Lord. That's so good to not feel that sense of striving, you know. And um, so I, I really, as I was kind of reflecting on that with the Lord, I felt like he showed me, like, you know, that's kind of what I'm supposed to talk about. Just share my testimony of where I've come from and, and also let Sarah share some of where she's come from since we've been at Eastgate. And um, so part of that story for us is I helped plant a church in in the area about seven or eight years ago. And eventually that church merged with another. And, you know, both churches are great. I still love those people, still you know, stay connected with them. Those are some of my best friends that I planted that church with. But just over the course of years, you know, God kind of changed my heart and things that I wanted and knew I was supposed to go after. It just, the Lord made it clear that I was supposed to step down from my position as a pastor there. And I'd known Tom and known Scott for a few years, and the Lord told us to come to Eastgate. And, you know, as someone who'd been in kind of one ministry position after another, for about 10 or 11 years, I just, I assumed I'm coming into Eastgate to help run this thing, you know, to help make it happen, make it do this or that, you know, whatever things were in my mind of what I thought Eastgate was supposed to be or what I was supposed to be in Eastgate. And, um, you know, and I don't know for sure what all the leadership thought. They may have felt some of that too. But, you know, as I started to spend time in Eastgate, spend time with Tom, eventually we realized like, oh, I'm not supposed to be doing that kind of stuff right now like that is not where the lord has me and um the lord gave us you know at least a good year and a half of not having official kind of ministry stuff and um we just realized how much of our identity was wrapped up in that you know wrapped up in being a pastor or having an official ministry title or something like that it really realized how little of our identity was actually established in being a son first to the father and just really learning what that means so the the scripture that the lord was kind of revealing to me as as he was reminding me of these things and kind of where we've come in the past couple years was the the scripture that jonathan shared on wednesday of the prodigal son and that story and something i felt like the lord kind of showed me that I'd never thought about before is, you know, you've got the older brother and the younger brother. The older brother kind of represents like the religious system. He's like serving the father obediently, but he kind of resents it or maybe totally resents it. And he feels kind of like, you know, the father is a slave driver in some sense. You really get that, that picture from him because what he says to the father at the end is, you know, you never do anything for me. And that's not what we think of as a, as a son to the father, to God, like that's not the attitude of a real son. That's the attitude of an orphan who happens to be living in the father's house. And uh, so you got that with the older brother. Then you have the younger brother who probably gets a lot of that rubbed off on him from being around his older brother. He probably got a lot of that religious mindset of God is about performance. He's a taskmaster. It's, you know, do all the right things. Don't do any of the wrong things. And he says, forget that, you know, just give me some money, you know, give me my share. And he goes and he lives like a fool and just, you know, tries to see if he could do things any better out on his own away from his father and whatever his perception of that father is being, you know, oppressive or keeping him from being able to have as much freedom or fun. You know, he just feels the need to test that on his own and see. And, um, and obviously he goes out there and he has a little bit of fun, but then he's pretty quickly abused and abandoned and neglected and 
realizes things were better than I thought they were, you know, in my father's house. And there's scripture in the Old Testament that kind of relates to that, where the Lord says to the Israelites, he says, you know, you've chased after your other lovers, and they left you stripped and naked. And he says, and now you're coming back to me, to your first love, now that you've realized that it was better here all along. But what the Lord was really making stand out to me is that, you know, in that moment when the prodigal son returns and the father runs out to meet him, he's thinking, I'm going to go to my father, tell him, you know, I'll just be a slave. And I really felt like that was his mentality already, as I'm just a servant to this man. I'm just a servant to my father. And so to him, there's probably not a huge difference here. I'm just going to come back and I'm going to be a slave in my father's household again because that was a better place than doing it on my own. And so... I think it was probably a, an incredible revelation to him to see the father running out to meet him, like full of joy, full of expectancy, throwing his arms around him, putting a robe of honor on his back, putting sandals that represent honor on his feet, a ring that represents honor and authority, like does not hold him to task at all over all of the, the wild and reckless living um, or even how, whatever words may have been spoken when he parted. like It's not about that at all. It's just about this overwhelming sense of love. And what I felt like the Lord showed me, like it's not a real story, but I felt like the Lord was showing me like what this person would have to do is spend time learning based on this new revelation how to, how to be a, an actual son in the Father's house. Like what does it really mean? Because it's not just like, overnight shift like his whole life his upbringing of feeling like he's really just a slave in his father's house like now he realizes oh it's different than i thought this man is different than i thought he's a real father who loves me and accepts me and that was really the process that we that sarah and i had to walk through for the past year and a half because once god took away like ministry and i was left like uh like what's my identity who do you say i am there's a lot of examining in my own heart of like when it's just me and the father, when there's no ministry, when there's no like big career that can comfort me, when it's the only thing that I can look to is who am I before the father. That's when my heart was really exposed and what I really felt about the father was exposed. And you know, we call that a lot at Eastgate, we call that our process and that everyone has their process. And I felt it was important for us to share. Because if you are called to Eastgate, then you are going or have gone through or will soon go through <laughs> your version of the process, really, of the stripping of God, of the exposing of your heart, and the establishing of your sonship. Because that is a huge part of Eastgate's identity, is to raise up true sons before the Father, and the people who can then carry that Father's heart afterwards. And um, yeah, sons and daughters. And um, I use son a lot, um, just because in terms of inheritance, like that's the title the Lord distributes to all of us is is like firstborn sons sharing in Jesus' role as the firstborn. So we get all of the the inheritance. And um, early on in our time at Eastgate, something that Tom had asked everybody one Wednesday night when we were still at Trend. He asked us to, you know, ask the Holy Spirit, what lies are you believing about the Father? And the Lord spoke to me, and he showed me that I was believing that God was withholding and that he promoted others ahead of me. So it was 
a lot of that older brother mentality too of thinking, oh, here comes someone else who hasn't worked as hard and hasn't served in as many ministries and hasn't done as much stuff and suddenly they're having visions and dreams and stuff that you're withholding from me. You know, that was my perspective. You know, I've chased after this. I've chased after encounters and experiences and you're giving it to this person who I resent now because they're having an experience, you know, just like the older brother. And so I, I feel like I can connect with both of them. But when the Lord revealed that, like that was something that I then had to start working out with me and the Father, but then it would manifest a lot in that that process. It manifests in your real life. So like in my marriage, that starts becoming manifest. So that orphan mentality where I feel like the Father is withholding like now I'm seeing how in our marriage, like I treat Sarah that way. I think, well, she's taking something from me. Like she's being unfair. Like I think the father's being unfair. Uh, she's withholding something from me. And um, like just a practical example, like when, when we first came, Sarah had a, like a chronic injury in her shoulder, your right shoulder, and her right shoulder. And Emma was a newborn, so... Like all of like the picking up and the carrying of our two-year-old and our newborn, Sarah couldn't do. So I was constantly having to like do a lot of daddy duty when I would get home from work. And even when we were at Eastgate, it was like my whole time at Eastgate, I felt like was chasing and corralling kids. And I'm sure some of you can relate to that. And I was just so resentful of kind of where the Lord had me and even resentful of Sarah. Like it's not her fault that her shoulder hurts, but when you have that orphan mentality, like you're not thinking totally logically. You're like, you're withholding from me. Um, you know, what you're going through is taking from me. So I had to come to a place with the Lord and walk out this process of believing and telling myself over and over, like he's not withholding. He is not a withholding father. He's not withholding anything from me. And because he has said like to the older brother, he says, everything I have is yours. Like then I had to relate that to my marriage and be like, Every, everything the father has is already mine. There's nothing that my wife could possibly be taking from me. There's no way that she could be unfair to me. And then taking that to like my job and taking that to anywhere else in life, even with my kids, you know, like there's nothing that anyone can take from me because I've been giving everything in the father's house. The full inheritance is mine access to every resource, every storeroom, every amount of affection, every amount of acceptance, like all of that stuff is totally mine. And it just, it was a process. There was, and Sarah has her own process and she's going to share some of her stuff too. But it was like letting all this junk in your heart come up and then saying, Lord, like, where does this come from? Like, what am I believing or what am I not believing? And then just, I don't know, just walking through that. And, um, I'll let you share a little bit. Like, if you want to speak into any of my own story, like your perspective. Let me tell you about this. Yeah. <laughs> or if you want to jump in and share a little bit of your journey with that. Yeah, I think, like, the, oh, there's one. I thought we turned it off. Apparently not. Um. <laughs> that is freedom. Somebody help that kid. He's just going the door open. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's very interesting to walk through something. 
<laughs> so I think something that was life-changing for me last year was, um, well, first of all, God stripped away a lot. Like, ministry was the big one, because like Daniel said, I mean, I'd help planted, plant two churches. I had, you know, helped plant a house of prayer. I had, you know, done all this stuff, and in lots of people's eyes, I was, you know, I was doing really great <laughs> and doing lots of cool stuff for the Lord, and I was thankful for it. I was like, wow, God, I can't believe you let me do all this amazing stuff. This is incredible. Like, I was so thankful for it. I lived in Indo- I lived in Bali for almost three years, like, working with an orphanage and planning a church. And I mean, I just got to do such amazing stuff by being obedient to the Lord. Um, and, then, and then we got married. And... Um, trying to think how much I want to share here. We got married and we I started realizing, oh my gosh, like our arguments can produce so much fruit. And I was like amazed at how each argument we had like unveiled this stuff that we didn't believe about the Lord. And, like I guarantee you every single argument you have with your spouse goes back to you what you believe about the Lord. Um and God was just unveiling all this stuff, you know, for years in our marriage. And while we were, you know, he's pastoring and I'm, oh, that was another thing. I wasn't in any leadership positions. That was really hard for me. And how long were we there? Four years? Four years for me without any kind of title. And that was really difficult for me because I definitely felt like people were withholding from me because I was a woman. (laughs) And then we came to Eastgate. And it was the same scenario, not in leadership again. And uh, it was really hard for me. I mean, I had, like, one time I had an all-out screaming, uh, not screaming, yelling match with Tom. But why won't you let me lead? I just want to lead. I have so much to give. You're you're withholding from me. You're holding me back. And and he just let me. He just let me yell. (laughs) I love that. Like, I love that we can be real in our process, and we don't have to try and hide where we're at. We can just be authentic, and you know what? The biggest tell that you are in the middle of your process is that you are frustrated. (laughs) There are things that are frustrating you, and you have zero control over them, and you know what? God kept saying to me, wherever you go, there you are. You were there at your last church, frustrated about not being in leadership. Here you are again, frustrated about not being in leadership. And it was like the location changed. I still stayed the same. And I decided, and I kind of feel like I was forced into it by the Lord just being here because it was all that anyone was talking about was your process, your process. And I was like, I'm so frustrated that that's all they're talking about is the process. And I'm like, I felt really insulting. Honestly, yeah. Felt like people were constantly talking down to me and like, oh, they had made it through their process, but I was still in it. So I felt like they looked down on me or something because I was still in my process. And just so much, I just felt rejection from them even speaking the truth to me. And um, it was frustrating. And I remember Tom saying, this is the first time anybody ever asked me this. He, he like saddled up to me at our house when we were meeting at our house. And he said, so what are you frustrated about lately? <laughs> I was like, 
do you really want to know? Because it's about you. So. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And he was like totally open to me telling him my frustrations. And all he would say to me is, you're in a good place. You're in a good place. You're in a good place. God's putting his thumb on your frustrations. And it is basically the Lord was like, it is time to take a look at your frustrations and really process with me why you're frustrated. Because it was that whole, like, wherever you go, there you are. Like, you're going around the mountain again, and you're in the same situation that's like, I mean, it's pretty much the same situation with different people in different circumstances, but your heart feels the same. It's like, okay, why am I feeling that? Why is the Lord pressing on this right now? And I feel like for the first time in my life, I stopped in the middle of the frustration, and I asked the Lord, tell me why I'm feeling this way, and heal me, because I don't want to keep going like this. And some of you might have heard me share this at the women's meeting, but um, I felt like no one ever told me to do that before. Like, it was just like, oh, just I just got to pray for patience to get through it, or pray for grace, or pray for peace, and just get through it, you know, just get to the other side, I can see it, I'm going, I'm going through it, going to the other side, and it was like this, when I would get out of it, it was like a victory, yay, I made it through, but actually, like, I didn't get anything I was supposed to get out of that trial, (laughs) I look back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, God kept putting me, like, in the same situations, over, with my heart, over, and over, and over, and I wasn't learning anything out of them, And I thought maybe I was. I thought maybe I had grown in patience or I had grown like, oh, I've grown in, you know, understanding grace or I've grown in acknowledging peace or something. But the real thing, the root was never taken care of of what God really wanted to heal me from. And a lot of it, as I have like gone through this process with the Lord, it's gone back to like the past. (laughs) I'm talking like, I was a kid, I was 10 years old on the playground, and this rejection happened with this other girls, and I've been carrying that my whole life, and I've been putting expectations on relationships and feeling rejected because they're not living up to my expectations, and I mean, just, and it has, you know, not even realizing I'm doing it, totally oblivious, and even in my marriage, um, you know, while he was going through his process of I'm totally hurt and he, and it wasn't just my right arm, it was my whole right side, and then it became my left side, and I was just in so much pain all the time, I could barely drive or do anything. He's having to uh, carry the be mom and dad at home, and I am like feeling at times rejection from him because he's not doing it joyfully, you know, he's not happy to be in his process, and I'm like, why aren't you happy that you're going like to serve me? And um, so there's a lot of like you know <laughs> arguments that happen, and I'm hurt and feeling rejected because the past rejection I had that I hadn't dealt with, and I'm not getting everything I need from the Father because if I had been healed, I would I don't know I probably wouldn't have felt nearly as much rejection as I had from Him. Um, and you guys like we were I mean we had arguments a lot. It was probably. I don't know, every week, like, big ones, and lots of little ones, and, um, but it was, like, we knew it was good, like, we knew it is good to be processing this, and the Lord is using us to sharpen each other, 
And I think just saying yes to the process over and over and over and over. And there was one time I was eating dinner with Jane and Lily, and Jane said to me, she goes, you know, Sarah, there's different levels of surrender. And I'm like, uh-huh. Well, I've already surrendered, so <laughs> thanks for that. Um, and she's like, you know, you know, because there's like a little bit of surrender and then a lot of surrender, then full-out surrender. And I'm like, I was basically in surrender of like, what else do you want from me? I have nothing left to give. I've surrendered everything. You've taken everything from me. What else do you want from me? Like, that was my level of surrender. It was not joyful. Um, and I went home, and I, like, I could hear these words that a speaker spoke one time when they were at Eastgate. Um, lay down to it. <laughs> See, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, lay down to it. Um, that's why you. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's counting. Yeah. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Um. He was saying the Lord was. He just said to me, you know, lay down to it. Picture yourself prostrate on the ground with nothing left to control or... Sorry, you guys, this is a little check. Just tell us, hey, Elijah, we can hear you. Elijah, we can hear you. He doesn't care, can he? Um, So the Lord, he was like, lay... <laughs> really loud in the bathroom. Did I hear? He's singing really loud. Having a good time. That's so funny. Welcome to church. Welcome to Eastgate. Welcome to Eastgate. And so Laura said, "Lay down to it." And so I did. I just, in my mind, pictured myself laying on the floor, completely prostrate, with no, no arguments. No, nothing left to say back to the Lord. And in that moment, um, he just filled me with such joy in the surrender for the first time. That was probably about August-ish last year. And I had so much joy in the surrender. But I felt like I couldn't really share it because this guy had none. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> um... So that was that was difficult, being feeling like I had surrendered and he hadn't. And there was uh, one time I was on my way to worship practice by myself because I can't. I usually come before him, and I'm driving down the service road and there's a turtle in the road and I'm like, that is so weird. Where does this turtle come from on the service road, like right by Eastgate? And I get here and I tell Tom, I'm like, there's a turtle on the road, isn't it? crazy? And he goes, if this were a dream, what would it mean? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I'm like, are you speaking, Lord, to this turtle? Yeah, it sounds so weird, you know. Yeah. And immediately I heard the Lord say, if Daniel is going slow as a turtle, if he's going slow, because I almost ran over this turtle. He was like, do not run over your husband in his process. Let him go at the speed he's going at. Do not try to rush him, control him. 
make him feel condemned, etc. And that was really like, whoa, okay, God, forgive me for just feeling frustrated. Because, you know, I'm still, I'm trying to control him in this, as I, I'm like, look how much I've surrendered, why haven't you surrendered? Um, He's really just showing the control of my heart um, toward my husband, toward just anything, just control. And the Lord was like, uh, lay that down. And that was kind of the beginning of me being okay with where Daniel was in the moment. And I had to revisit that over and over, like, okay, I surrender to it, I surrender, Lord, to my husband's process. Because um, that's not easy as a woman to be living with a man that is not happy. Or vice versa, yes. Um, and to feel like, okay, I know I'm not supposed to be stepping in and trying to make him happy. I can't do anything to really change the way he feels, so I just have to surrender again. Um, so I think what, you know, when Sarah's talking about that full surrender, that total surrender that Jane mentioned, it brought to mind something JP said when he was here that I think was really big for our community. And um, he was talking about going after, that Jesus said that the ax is already laid to the root of the tree. And that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to go after the root of the issues, uh, the root of the unbelief in our life. Um, and he used the example of healing. It's like we could go around and have healing ministries all day long, every day, and heal someone. And then the next year, they're gonna have some other injury, some other sickness, a new cancer, whatever. And we're just going to be healing each other ad nauseum for an eternity if we don't eventually get to that root of the issue where we can walk in divine health. And I feel like for so many, like when Sarah was talking about, you know, she'd gone through stuff in her past where it was like, you know, well, I'm going after patience here or I'm just trying to make it through here or grace. Like those are real things. You definitely get some things out of that. But that's like, you know, trimming a branch here and a branch there and a branch here. And there's some fruit there for sure, but the Lord wants to go after the root of the tree, which is our identity and our place as sons before him. Because until he heals those orphan roots, we're going to keep manifesting junk in our life. And it might be a little bit different each time, but you'll come to the end of your life and not be mature if you've been taking one issue at a time instead of letting the Lord sovereignly go after the root of the tree and throw the whole thing you know, into the fire and produce a new tree out of it. I think one of the coolest things that Sarah got, and really was towards the, the end of last year when the Lord really started to give like words to us for this, to know even how to articulate it, but about control and about you know how control manifests. And even um, for both of us, learning how in our combined process that's producing a lot of arguments, we're trying to control not only the other person's actions and determine what they should be doing, but also trying to control their emotional response. So, like, do you want to speak in the, into that a little bit? Yeah, so in December, the Lord separated us by distance a little bit, and he had to go travel for his job for, like, a month. And we really knew it was the Lord. We were like, okay, we know he's really addressing control with us, and... He's going to separate us even for a while so that we can really address these issues as individuals. And uh, we didn't realize how much control was a part of our, our daily existence. And even Daniel has, he has dealt with ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammation in the intestines or in the colon. And uh, stress, you know, makes it 
manifest. Um, and so if you don't want to feel stressed, what do you do? You control your circumstances <laughs> so that you never feel stressed. And it's false. <laughs> it's not real. It's false reality. And so when God put him in a situation where he was traveling to like a different city every day and renting cars and driving to different cities and different just all the stuff he hadn't done he was doing it every single day it was like super stressful and it was just a great opportunity to um decide to walk in peace instead of control and to really get that from the lord like um and for me god sent me home to michigan with my family and control I, I didn't even know it until I was about to leave for Michigan but he was like you know all that headbutting that you had with your father your entire life I was you guys fighting for who was in control <laughs> is he going to be in control or are you going to be in control who gets to say what we do or where we go or how such and such is done or control the remote or whatever it was like just seeing how much that had been a part of my life growing up and the Lord spoke super clear to us that um when you surrender control, you start to manifest the fruit of self-control. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. I've never heard anybody talk about how to get self-control. Like, I know what willpower is. I know what, like, determination is. Like, I'm going to fast and I'm not going to eat. Like, it's out of, like, sometimes there's grace for it. And sometimes, you know, it's just out of my sheer determination. And, but I didn't really know, I never, I'm like, do I even know what self-control is? Like, um, all I knew is that I wanted it. It's a fruit of the spirit and I wanted it. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender every possible thing I can surrender. Okay. I'm going to go stay with my parents, like where all your stuff comes back up that you thought was gone. I'm going to go stay with my parents and I know it's all going to come up, and I'm going to surrender control at every opportunity I get, whether it's with my kids and their bedtime or how something is done or why it's done or when it's done or anything that I would normally justify as, I'm just getting my opinion. Um, anything. The Lord was like, lay it all down. And it was really hard for me because, I, I mean, I'm not shy. <laughs> I'm not. And... It was hard, but it was so good because I had a vision. I had purpose in it. I knew, like, I know where I'm going. I can see that I'm going to start walking in self-control as I just continue to surrender. The Lord's going to bless me, and that that fruit is going to grow inside of me because I am, like, I'm laying it all down for you, Lord. And and that's really what happened. Like, in December, we, we just saw, all, oh, my gosh, can't even believe like how much control is, has manifested in our lives and in our relationship. I just had no clue. And as we continued to surrender, like the Lord has just blessed us like above and beyond. Like this morning I was spending time with the Lord and I was just in tears. Like, you're so good to me. Like, why did I not say yes sooner? Like if I only had known what was on the other side, I would have said yes. Like, in a moment, you know, like it, now that I know, I know how good it is. I think the real turning point for both of us was when we finally acknowledged that every frustration, every anxiety, every, you know, anger, anything that would manifest that was not the fruit of the spirit was like the Lord saying, you're not fully formed yet as a son 
or as a daughter, you know, however you want to term that. And so when we really started to believe that, that every time we had an argument, that it wasn't just she's being a jerk or I'm being a jerk, but that there's something wrong at a heart level with one or both of us. Like is when we started to acknowledge that, then we were able to, like she said, surrender to it and just receive the Lord's process and just say, like, do it, just father me, you know, strip it away, tear it down, whatever you have to do, take away ministry, take away whatever other false identities, false coverings that I have in the spirit, just take them all away. And I would just, what we really want to see is everyone else in Eastgate who is either new or has still been in their process or whatever. And it's a, it's not something that's a one and done thing. You always keep being established in that identity. But I feel like that first place of surrendering to it is so significant. So we were just really wanting to encourage everyone to just believe that, you know, tension in your relationships, whether it's with a spouse or someone else, you know, even tensions here at Eastgate, you find yourself being frustrated with the leadership. If you haven't been frustrated with the leadership, I would question whether you've really engaged at all in the process, because that is so big. And not, and not just here, but at any church, you're always going to get frustrated with leadership at some point. And if you don't let God point it back to your heart, yeah, they might be doing something wrong. You know, maybe not, maybe, that doesn't really matter, but your response, if it's not fruit of the Spirit, then that's your heart that needs to be dealt with. And so, when we realize at Eastgate that, oh, where I'm frustrated with Tom or the leadership in general because they're not letting me minister or whatever, like, and then the Lord finally showed me, oh, that's your issue, not theirs. And then I was able to examine past ministry experiences where even if there was control or other issues, it's some other churches like what manifested out of my heart was based on me believing that someone else had the power to take something from me to withhold something from me to take advantage of me in any way when really in the spirit they have no power to do that unless i give them that power honestly just like with satan he has no power and authority over the sons of god unless it's given to him um so again just the lord just had to keep reminding me of what he said to the older brother everything that I have is yours, and it's always been at your disposal. And it's had to re remind myself that either in past church experiences and just repent of that, that, no, that person was not withholding my place from me. Like, that's where the Lord had me, and I always had everything that was his. Every amount of spiritual authority and blessing was already mine. So even if you're, you know, the janitor for your life in whatever church you're serving at, no one is able to take away your spiritual authority and your calling because God will always make a way for your calling. And so all of that orphan stuff where I didn't believe that I had a father who was looking after my interests made me have to try and defend my interests before others. So in my last church, the times where I find, found myself arguing with the lead pastor or whoever over how the church was being managed, that was me manifesting that control because I didn't believe that I really had a father who had my best interest totally taken care of. Like then I'm trying to defend my own interests. And again with Sarah, like when I'm trying to look after number one and look at the way she's not taking care of me, that's again believing I don't have a father who's taking care of all my needs and every provision. Um, so we just wanted to empower everyone here just to embrace your process even if it looks ugly and you just feel like oh my marriage is just in shambles there's no grace here like there's nothing good here it's just ugliness well it's 
it doesn't have to be, and I don't think that's God's intention for it. Like he, I talked about this a few weeks ago. I just had a vision of Jesus like going around to all these little crummy little shacks, houses that we built, and just with a great delight, he was blowing on them, and walls were falling down, and there would just be a few like supports and a few things that were like really sturdy that were left, and he was totally happy with that. He'd walk away to the next house, and he'd huff and puff and blow that little crap house down too, you know, and we keep trying to build these junk houses back up of, ah, ministry positions and, you know, control over my wife. Let me nail that wall back up and he wants to keep blowing it down. So I just encourage you just let him. And even if all you have left is one baseboard, you know, on the floor, you just, okay, start from there and let the Lord build a house. And um, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? So we, um, what we were kind of feeling from the Lord is we just want to invite anyone who feels like they want to just to receive just that grace to embrace that process with the Lord and embrace specifically his fathering of you. So um, I don't know how you want to do that. Do you want to be on the keyboard or do you want to just pray over people? Okay. Well, why don't everybody just stand up then? And uh, I don't need to know who feels like that might be them or whatever. And honestly, you might not even need to know at this point. But I would just, um, I would just ask you to put out your hand just to receive if you want to receive something from the Lord. And if you want to receive really what he has to say about where you are and what you're going through. And, you know, I know this is something I've learned just even in the past couple weeks is I felt like my process was over, like I did it. You know, I, I let God father me and then... He's just bringing up some new stuff. And it's not as quite as intense as it was, you know, last year or the year before. But it's just, you know, he's still going after that root of the tree, making sure all those roots are, are chopped down. So, Father, we just invite you, Lord, to just to go after um, just the tree in our life that's not of you, Lord, that the tree of life would take its place. And, Lord, we know that you have to go after the root and destroy the whole thing, Lord, destroy the whole religious mindset, the whole orphan mindset, whatever roots there are, I'm sure there's other roots that can be named, Lord. We just invite you to go after that root, Lord, to the best of our ability, Lord, with whatever level of grace you've given us, Lord. We just submit and surrender to that process, Lord, of letting you father us, letting you blow down the control, the the things that we've tried to do because we're orphans and thought we had to defend ourselves and seek after our own interests, Lord, we just invite you and we say yes, Lord, even though it's we know it's going to hurt in the moment of the process, we just say yes, Lord, the frustration we've had towards those who had authority over us, whether it's in the church or at work or even in family relationships, Lord, we just, Lord, we confess, Lord, that what comes out of our heart in those situations is our issue of not knowing you as a father. So, Lord, we just release our judgments and our accusations towards church leaders here and in the past. We just release from judgments our own parents, Lord, the things that we've accused them of and held them accountable for, Lord. Even if they were in the wrong in some level, Lord, we just release them from those accusations and judgments lord we just ask that you would take our hearts lord and that you would make them new and that you would make them whole 
And Lord, I just pray over every marriage in here specifically, Lord, every argument that has come up recently or that might come up in the coming days, even in me and my wife, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would use those marriages just to shape us as sons and daughters, just to shape our identity, and that we would let go of control over our spouse, that we would stop blaming our spouse for what we feel and what manifests out of our heart. Lord, I repent of blaming Sarah when I get angry that it's somehow her fault that I'm manifesting something that's not from you. So Lord, we just we just thank you for that revelation. But no one can make us rebel can make us manifest junk. Only our own hearts can produce that junk. Yeah. And Lord, you say it's not what goes into a person that defiles them. It's what comes out of them that defiles them. Mm, yeah. So even the lies and the slander that we've received from other people, those haven't defiled us, Lord. Because you have sealed us by your Spirit, but it's what has come out of our mouth in response to accusations and slander, Lord, that has defiled us. So we just ask for your cleansing, Lord. Lord, we just say yes again. We just say yes again. We lay down to it. We surrender to it. And I ask right now, God, that you would fill us with joy. That the joy of the Lord would be our strength. That we would find our strength in walking with you, in nearness to you. And not by this false reality of controlling our circumstances or the people around us. Lord, give us joy overflowing. Let the river of life flow out from us. Let us manifest Jesus, all that you are, Lord. Every fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let it flow out of us and spring forth, out of our mouths, out of our hearts. Lord, cut down everything that is not of you, Lord. And come and plant inside of us, God, your truth your love, your freedom. Jesus Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about our community, please visit our website at eastgatetx.org.